falling behind on episodes because uh just got been busy but i guess uh mike is uh kind enough to join me to talk about i guess we'll talk about the ai apocalypse man is it upon us hey how's it going um yeah it certainly looks like it although not if you own the cer- <laughs> certain stocks in the stock market it, what are you talking about looking... like nvidia or something, something yeah happen? nvidia and Supermicro and a bunch of other uh semis are, are and semi-related stuff are, are doing really well right now some would call it a bubble oh right because the earnings came out today right yeah isn't nvidia like a two trillion dollar company now it's like surpassing it's like bigger than amazon at this point i mean intel it passed the dust like ages ago but uh yeah intel is languishing right now unfortunately i have some intel calls but those are longer dated so <laughs> i still have time mm-hmm. um i don't think they're I, you know, I don't actually, I, I'm not, tra- I don't trade NVIDIA, so yeah. I don't know the exact numbers, but yeah, they're, they're huge. My friend called me, um, cause 10 years ago, uh, when we were working together, I told him <clears throat> that I was long, I was going long NVIDIA, which I did, but not much. And I, and, uh, I was telling him because the, at that time they had already started talking about AI and how it was going to be a data center driven product. And I was like, you know, you might not believe this, but I think AI is, I mean, I think NVIDIA is going to be bigger than Intel. And he was like, ha, ah. And then he called me uh, a couple months ago, just being like, why didn't you force me to buy it? I'm like, dude. <laughs> yeah, of course. Here's the thing. It's like, even if, I mean, I, I mean, I think a lot of people had seen, I wasn't like the only person who saw that. I think a lot of people saw that. But the question is like, how much are you really willing to stake on what is just the theory? I mean, you know, like you, you have a theory in mind, but you have a million theories in mind, you know, like, well, one, yeah, some the, of them come the, true and some of them don't. Yeah. The, I mean, the looking backwards is totally useless, right? Because it's mm-hmm. at some point it was now and now is also now. So why don't you make a good decision right now? <laughs> well, that's why he was calling me. He was yeah, like, well, just, do it, it again. Just, <laughs> like, like the world just doesn't work that way. So exactly. if, you, if you like, you know, if you if you get into these like loops, thought loops of uh, of why I didn't do this or why I didn't do more or or whatever, then you're just gonna bog yourself down. And craziness. I did tell him why why not just buy some Microsoft and it's you know it's since I told him that it's gone up like sixty percent or something crazy like that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, again, yeah, I mean, like I never stake big on this stuff. I did buy Microsoft, but like not. It's not, you know, I'm not going to retire on that. Yeah, but. I mean, ultimately, all this stuff is captured in the indexes. So if you, like, if you have, uh, if you have a portfolio, like, if you have a base of, you know, all the index stuff, you're you're going to get some exposure. So it's not it's not like you're missing out on much. Yeah, I mean, like like you said, you have to you have to wager a lot to to make any serious amount of money. So unless you're just doing that on a constant basis, you're not going to catch any of these rippers. I still think we're in the infancy, man, which is scary because it's already getting so good. Um, I know people are ripping, you know, like this stuff comes out. We've only been seeing this stuff for the past. Like, how long have we been watching generative AI do its thing? I mean, when did we really start? Two years, two and a half years. Yeah, like not very long, right? And people, there are naysayers who are like, yeah, it's crap. It it looks like shit. And I'm like, dude, it's only been. We yeah, people, people have a. So I long, mean, this like, is this is the same with technology and, and and like investing. People have a really really tough time extrapolating into the future, which is, I mean, it's it's good in the sense that you know people are skeptical about stuff, and you can't really like fool everyone uh, all the time. But you know, like I think two, three, four, five years in the future, all this stuff will be much much better than what do they is. what do they say that people um, tend to overestimate the short term and then underestimate the long term? Yeah, there's a quote. It's been attributed to like Bill Gates and Warren Buffett and a bunch of other people, but it's basically people overestimate what they can do in a year and underestimate what they can do in ten years. That's probably related to the nonlinear sort of exponential growth type. Yeah, you know properties of this stuff where. It looks like nothing. It's like minuscule in the early stages, and then, but then it just zooms. You know, suddenly you catch it late, and you're watching this thing just explode. And I feel like AI is probably, you know, I mean, most 
we've only been talking seriously about it in the mainstream for like just a few years now. But like AI as a field, I mean, all these things that um, are fueling the deep learning algorithms and stuff are not new. I mean, they right like isn't hasn't this stuff been around since like yeah, so you know, like, like the sixties or seventies? This these, yeah, these like concepts yeah. anyway. Neural networks and cognitive science and all this stuff has been around since the 70s. Yeah, like, like perceptrons or whatever that thing was called. I mean, they've, yeah, like, they've had uh, working mockups of this stuff, but they just never had the hardware to implement it at scale like we see now, right? Yeah, so like the school that I went to had a, a cognitive science department back when I went to school, and they were they were already doing this stuff just at a very low level, um, at a very rudimentary level with the, like the, you know, Pentium and, and digital alpha class stuff that was out at the time. Um, and this was in 2001. So that, like that was 23 years ago. So, um, yeah, it's been around forever. I mean, yeah, you're just running this stuff on a, a few desktop workstations at like a college computer lab. And now we're yeah. doing it with like industrial scale. Yeah. The stuff the with G custom Silicon. Like it's yeah, the, be the GPUs are like, you know, just insanely powerful. And then also one thing that people don't usually think about is the networking involved, like the, the networking infrastructure that connects all this stuff is insanely fast too. It's like beyond human comprehension how fast it is. Right. It's it is scary, man. Because I like I saw a thread the other day. So this thing called Sora just came out by OpenAI, which a lot of people are talking about. It's this generative AI for video. Yeah. And um, see, I I guess I was a little bit basic about it. Like when it was doing images, I just thought that it was taking using some sort of text to you know like we it can use a sort of text-based search to look up images of what the person typed in and then sort of average average out do some an analysis of the images and then sort of reconstruct something out of like the you know the 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 the, the verbal primitives that it has or something right but then someone described how Sora works and I'm like wait this thing is kind of like it, you know, it's using bait. Like, if you type something like "I want to see," you know, a, a woman blowing out her candles uh, on her birthday cake or whatever. Like, it is it is taking breaking that part into concepts, sussing out the nouns and the objects that are there, sussing out the verbs, um, and then creating like a three dimensional matrix of like what are essentially voxels. Yeah, and populating this stuff and so it has a conception of space it has a conception of time it has a concept of you know the physical thing that you're describing and it's like kind of building up the images based on con conceptual i don't know yeah. if it's understanding but it's ba it's it's well it's able it's to mapping parse. yeah it's it's mapping like the text that's used in the descriptors uh this the descriptors in the training sets to the videos that it ingests in, in the training sets and like taking that information and, you know, doing whatever crazy matrix linear algebra operations on it. And then like getting information out of it that it uses then to, to generate the new stuff when you type in a prompt. Yeah. And then it had this really weird thing that said, essentially it works similar to the, uh, to the, image generators, which I had no idea this is how it works, but it essentially starts with white noise and then uses um, a sort of like a cumulative denoiser. To yeah, it get gets closer and closer and closer to the end result. Yes. And I have, and that's really weird. It seems like it's running counter to like the, the law of entropy. Like it's sort of doing like the reverse of entropy or something. <laughs> and I don't know, man, I look at that stuff and I'm like, okay, this is a little bit more than I thought it was. I thought it was just taking a bunch of images and kind of blending them together. Yeah. Like, wait, this well, thing is remember, remember, like these techniques are developed like in the lab, right? Or like in some off or uh, yeah, some some research lab somewhere. But re nobody really knows how this stuff works. It's it just right. works. So it like if you read the like I'm not an expert by the way. I'm I <laughs> I have no like serious knowledge of this stuff. But you've but played, you've, I've, you've played with it. You've programmed it. You've you know yeah, how I've, to implement it. Yeah, I mean, I've played with the stuff that other people have produced, though. Like, you know, like the uh, the fine tuning. But you're telling me you you didn't create these neural neural networks from scratch? 
you're using existing. Uh, I mean, code. I I mean, I did like small ones. You, you can use the libraries to create small ones and and like create toy models and train them mm-hmm. to do interesting stuff. But it's you know the the the, the difference between somebody like me who's like doing this um, to get a basic understanding of how it works and like a research lab is just ma- it's mainly like the amount of hardware that they use and the um, like obviously the people who really fundamentally understand what um, how to put all these pieces together to do stuff. So um, anyways, I'm not sure what my original point was, but uh but yeah, the, the, it, it's, I mean, it, it's just going to accelerate faster and faster, right? Because people are just capitalizing more and more of this hardware. And it, it doesn't even need... It's not a point where I feel like we're in a fundamentally different place than we were just a year ago or two years ago. Like some, something's changing, I feel. Yeah, well, like I think the, the main difference between two years ago and now is the amount of capital that's being deployed into this area, right? Because... Mm-hmm. yeah. Like I just read this number, Nvidia is making eighteen billion dollars a quarter on data data center sales alone, and that's growing exponentially. So soon, that's going to be a hundred billion dollars a year just to Nvidia. And you know, Google is also doing this with their own, um, uh, you know, GPU and and specialized processors that do this stuff on on their platform. And now and you've so got is- you've got the state, or very like all the states around the world, are labeling this like to have national security implications. And so they're throwing the, the weight of the government behind this stuff now. Right. Yeah. Like, I would be, I'd be interested to know what portion of NVIDIA sales is actually just going to the U S government. It's gotta be a huge amount. Yeah. I mean, I've heard, okay. I've heard there's some shenanigans going on, but um, like there's that, there's that company. I forgot what it's called. The one in New Jersey. That's like, buying a shitload of uh, NVIDIA uh, supply and building out data center capacity. But the, problem, yeah. the thing is that NVIDIA actually is a, a large stakeholder in them. So NVIDIA is kind of buying from itself. Buying shit from themselves. Yeah, and, and yeah. Like, this is a private company, so nobody knows who their customers are. And so they're wondering. It's probably I guess fucking CIA some... or NSA or something. Yeah, either that or they just think it's a pure fraud. <laughs> but I have no idea. Um, I mean, yeah. I, mean, I, I don't know about that. Th- those... I mean, why? Like, why? Why would Nvidia do that? You know, it's got to be some shady government deal. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know, man. I was thinking, if you have Sora being able to generate video from pure, basically from pure ideas, and you've got, we're we're getting so much better. Apparently, though, I haven't tried it, but by all accounts, the Apple Vision Pro is a step up. And they're laughing at $3,500. I mean, I laugh at that, but... You know, my my um, parents paid $4,000 in, re- like, real dollars, not inflation-adjusted. They're real $1980 dollars like, <laughs> <laughs> for a fucking Apple IIe. You know, yeah, my, my parents paid, I think my parents, when they were, when I was like three or four, they were in grad school and they paid, yeah, like four or $5,000 for a Mac SE. Now that was probably subsidized and they probably got a discount through the university because yeah. they were doing a PhD program and all mm-hmm. that stuff. But those were, still, those were like, when, when was this? What year was it? Dude, this was like 1986. Yeah, <laughs> or some shit. Yeah, yeah. People were just dropping four thousand real dollars, like Dude, you know, like. Um, well, if you if you think of it as an entertainment device, so it's it's not that long ago that people were spending close to ten thousand dollars on a home theater setup. Right. You know, yeah. and now you yeah. can get a fucking hundred inch screen for like a couple grand. So it's and and you don't need like twenty speakers. You just need like a couple of speaker bars. Sound yeah, bars. I guess I I guess I was surprised at the level of media incredulity at 3500 bucks cuz i'm like you realize like a high end smartphone still in the $1500 range yeah a i mean dude, phone you people know people buy people buy six figure cars like it's nothing right <laughs> like right this, this shit is not it's not that expensive 3500 is not much i think for this but yeah but it's going to come down I mean, the price will come down anyway right um yeah i mean i think they've anchored the top end at that point and then they'll work their way down with the like the se models or the non-pro models or whatever. i mean that's just how apple does it right right like they they anchor a price for the pro version 
Now, I think that the difference this time is they came out with the pro first. That usually, I don't think that usually happens. It usually happens further down the line. But I think they just went because they had to, like, you can't afford this shit otherwise. They had to get the pro out first, anchor it at, you know, between three and 4,000. And then that gives them enough room to, like, continue to innovate at the top end and then trickle down all of the um, display technology into the into the lower models when they come out. Am I am I wrong then in thinking that we are at a stage, maybe a very early sort of like Steve Jobs in the 1970s stage, you know, getting free parts from Hewlett-Packard or whatever he was doing of uh of like holodeck era technology because that's essentially what the holodeck was, right? You would just describe what you wanted and then you would be immersed into a virtual world. Like like Captain Picard would walk in there and be like, you know, uh, put me in a 1920s speakeasy in Chicago. And then sure, yeah. would be like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think at this point, all of the building blocks are there. They just, everything just needs to get 10 times better. Right. right and that, right. and that'll take, I don't know, like a decade or something. But I feel like we're past the point where I think we could be pretty confident that, the necessary pieces are already there in terms of like sketching out like what, you know, like, um, like once they had the sort of like, uh, von Neumann model of like the PC, if you look at it, you're like, yeah, that's pretty much what we got today. Right. Yeah. Um, well, so one thing that, that where we're at for holiday, well, one, th- one thing that nobody's done is hooked in a generative or a hooked a generative AI into actual, like a 3d game engine. Right. So that that's the I think that's the missing link right now. Right? I've you seen can, people do... do very rudimentary versions of it where they they're using. I've seen demos of this online where they've a guy used generative AI to create a three D model of the Back to the Future DeLorean, and then it jumped out of his screen and he was able to manipulate it like three D object. Now, okay. is it impressive? Yeah. Not that impressive, but if you think about what was going on there. You know, you're like, wait, that's a step in a direction that's pretty fucking holodeck, if you ask me. Yeah, definitely. Like, basically what they need to do is instead of training it on video, I mean, you know, I'm sure video will be part of it, but they also need to train it on the actual, like, volumetric models of what stuff is. Right? So you need to you need to feed it 3D models of things and then and then train it on that and then it'll be able to like mix and match them into I feel like that might be even easier than video in a way. I don't know. I, because the, the well, basic vectors, right? The basic, <laughs> the basic descriptors of, of a 3D model are pretty simple, right? I yeah, mean, they're just vectors and fucking points in space. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> matrices, I, I would basically. think that generating immersive 3D environments would actually be easier than generating sort of static video, no? I don't know. I have no idea, but well you have to get the textures and you know all that stuff right. So it's I think right. it's probably more intense computationally, but it should be pretty straightforward with the tech that they have now for training. Yeah. I mean, whatever it is, whether it's on the fly video or whether it's 3d volumes or whatever it is, but you, you pair that with like acceptably good immersive VR. And I'm starting to think that we've got like existential crisis on our hands because yeah, everyone that watched star Trek kind of knew like, you don't just come out of the holodeck, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. You know what I mean? Get, like they always made it like it was there. the snack bar of this. You know, it was like the break room. Oh yeah, you get ten <laughs> minutes in the holodeck. No, you don't get ten minutes. Okay, you go in the holodeck. You're not coming out. You're not. You're gonna be. You're, they're gonna have to drag you out of there. You know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I mean video game tech will be a big part of that, right? Because you have to like maintain the world state and all that stuff, and and that's a separate set of technologies. Um, than just generating the world. Like you could, you could, you could potentially just generate the world in one shot, feed it to a video game engine, and then have it just run all the simulation stuff on on the game engine, and then you can walk through and then like use generative AI to like, you know, animate the people and like the dialogue and all that stuff. You think the future is going to be networked? Like, are we going to have? It already is. No, 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 I know. I'm saying, do you think the future is going to be, like, shared, like, MM, like, 
what is it called MMPORGs or whatever? You think that's going to be the future, or do you think it's going to be private, um, holodeck type, you know, personalized? Because I, I feel like a lot of the discussion right now is around the ability to personalize your your um, to personalize media where I'm going to watch a specific cut of the film exactly the way I want it with the actors that I want and the even the plot you know I can I mean, write I'm sure my own will, movie I'm sure that'll be available but I mean science fiction writers have been talking about this for a while right like like the internet and snow crash is basically just a giant open world that everyone connects to and like it's, that's become... the metaverse idea right yeah exactly like, so my, my issue with that though is well not my issue but like <clears throat> I feel like <clears throat> the problem with that, number one, is we can already do that now. but And I don't think it's super popular. And number two is, like, you don't really control the world you're in, right? Like, you're... And and then if if that's the case, then why don't I just live in the real world? Because the real world is that. It's a world that I don't really control and has a lot of other people in it. And I don't think the metaverse... Is ever I mean, going to be able to compete with like the problem? I mean, the, the real world already competes with video games, right? Like the, the problem with the real world is it's really hard to like achieve stuff, <laughs> for well, lack of a better term, right? Like, well, yeah, people people enjoy video games because you there's like easy wins, and then you can become something without without the uncertain. Like there's there's more of a defined path to the top, right? Like in the real world, it's not at all clear what you actually have to do to like get things. But isn't the, the thing, real? But isn't the real like step through the breach for generative AI? The fact that I can, I I'm sort of the god in in that. I'll, you know, I'm the one that says let there be light. And I mean, I think there's going to be all of this stuff. It, it it's it's not going to be like a unified experience that everyone is shares. It's it's like all of this stuff will exist. So you can do whatever you want, or go into a shared space, or go into a right. private shared space or just, you know, my go, like do, do virtual only fans in fucking generative land or what, you know, like, see, whatever. okay. See, that's what I'm talking about is I think that multi, multi user shared spaces are not going to be not, not that they're not going to be popular, but like, I don't think they're going to be that different in terms of their in terms of what we already have, because I think like don't we already have pretty? We could already do pretty good. Like the tech is already there, I think, for pretty good immersive shared. Even if it's not VR, even if it's just like straight three D rendering, like it's pretty fucking good, right? Yeah, and it's popular, but it, I, I feel like the real breakthrough is going to be this ability to essentially be like the god of your own little universe using generative ai as your sort of like sure god like finger uh um, yeah so you can just run around in a world that you create basically yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah sure you know and and i want and, and and i don't believe that people are going to get sucked into it permanently but i do think that people's lives will be bifurcated between you know real world obligations particularly for work and maybe family. Um, but everything else is going to be offset by retreating into, you know, a private, uh, a 100% a, a private pre-Copernican domain where, you know, not only does the sun revolve around the earth, but the earth then revolves around me and I'm at the center of everything. And everyone's yeah, going to yeah. be like a little god. You can just be like emperor of your own little world. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, of course that's going to exist and it's going to cost a lot, <laughs> but people will pay it. Yeah. It's going to cost a lot and they're going to find a way to price it so that most people are going to be able to get access to it. But most people are also going to have to essentially give everything they have to, you know, to get it. And, um, I don't know, man, that's kind of scary, dude. Um, the the like the the psychological effects of that to have like a real convincing experience of like omnipotence and uh i don't know man i don't know about that that's kind of weird yeah i mean it's going to be it's it's going to be it's going to be pretty widespread i think like 
Um, so the interesting thing about the way that the internet exists now is it's in a lot of ways, it's very similar to the very, very early days. Like people like back in the eighties and nineties, if you were hanging out in a chat group, you were a straight up weirdo. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I remember my parents, like when they found out that I was on, that I was on IRC, they fucking flipped their shit. They, they knew what not... IRC was in the first place. Well, they like would see it and then they'd be like, who, who are these people? And they, they just like their brains could not handle the concept that I was talking to people on the internet. Like they, they just couldn't handle it. Hmm. So, you know, old, but I, mean, I was old enough that it, it, you know, they couldn't stop me. So it, but, but the, the irony is, you know, 10, 15 years later, they're the ones sitting on fucking forums and chat rooms all day talking about whatever, whatever it is they're doing. So right. this stuff just With happens. True fucking with, weirdos. You're probably just talking to some sysadmins. Somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We were just talking about like Linux open source. Yeah, yeah, stuff, exactly. you know? Like this is like basically work related stuff, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. for, for my like basically future career. So, but like the, they have like a, a mental block around this concept of like sitting in front of the computer and talking to people. So clearly this just operates on a 20 year. And, and oh, and by the way, 10 years before I ever did any of this stuff, people were on BBSs and MUDs and you know, all that Weird oh yeah, I remember BBSs. Shit, right? I used to dial into it with my twenty four hundred modem. Yeah, so this is this stuff has been around for forever, but it just kind of morphs. And then what what happens is more and more people just get sucked into it as it goes mainstream, and you know, like eventually it just becomes totally normal. Like now, Slack is normal. <laughs> you know, yeah. like this was not normal. Like even ten years ago, yeah, people did not just hang out in a chat room all day at work. Yeah, like sending emojis to each other, like that was yeah. highly abnormal. <laughs> yeah, video video conference meetings and stuff like yeah. that, or at home, yeah, uh, at home. became normal real fast. Even though even though the tech was around for a while, like yeah, in the in the if, software industry, we've been doing that for fucking forever, mm -hmm. like going on virtual meetings and video chats and screen sharing and all that shit. Because it, it started out as like a technical thing, right? Like a bunch of sysadmins like sprinkled throughout the country would collaborate like this to solve technical problems or like respond to emergencies or whatever, because like, you can't like, it's very rare to get a technical team, even back in the day, all in one room. Like it took a serious amount of effort. Like I remember flying, like being in war rooms where we're trying to figure some problem out and they would literally fly people from all around the country to sit in a conference room together. Yeah. So, you know, that was like 10% of the time, but 90% of the time, everyone was just at home. So the stuff is, yeah, like all these modalities are just going mainstream at a crazy rapid rate now. Yeah, and this the generative AI stuff specifically is explode. Like every time it comes out, I feel like it's making, it, it, the world is paying attention to it in a way that I don't, I haven't seen the world pay attention to a technology in quite the same with the quite the same level of intensity. Yeah, it's it's probably around the same level of mass hype as like the web browser. Like when Netscape first came out. I think it's even more if you ask Maybe me. more, maybe yeah. more, yeah. I wouldn't mm -hmm. disagree with that. In terms of like how many different types of people in terms of like their expertise are trying to weigh in on this and being like, okay, what does this mean for politics? Right. What does it mean for defense? What does it mean for philosophy? Anth you know, anthropology, all that stuff. Like everyone has something to say about it because I think this is the first time, and in a way that web browsers didn't, this is starting to encroach on what we thought was yeah. I think sort of maybe the main territory. The main difference between I was I was pretty young when the web browser came out, so I, I don't remember it quite that well or very well, but. I think the main difference is the web browser and all the stuff that they built to be used with the web browser took more than 10 years to really like get to the point of being impressive. Right. At first it was just, yeah. You, I remember newspapers. when I was in college, we had, I, I could, you could actually get mosaic. I think that was the first yeah. browser and, yeah, it, and it sucked. Yeah. <laughs> it, mosaic was, it was sucked. pretty rudimentary. Yeah. yeah. Like you could load the yahoo.com and like some gopher sites and that was yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, but yeah, like I'm trying to remember the next thing, like broadband came, but that was just like faster dial up. So people were already used to the concept of, you know, what internet. was big MP3 MP3 was a pretty bit, that was blowing a lot of people's minds when it came out. I was yeah, in college. That was pretty big. 
people were blown away by what was going on with that shit. I mean, it's just been a bunch of like incremental changes since since the web browser, right? Like the remember the big the big feature of the iPhone was that it had a web browser. That was a huge difference. Right. Yeah. Like it didn't like actually a, come like with an any actual apps. web browser, not a web yeah, it browser. It didn't come whatever. with any apps. It was just the web browser. <laughs> that yeah. was it. And like contacts, yeah. note taking, which yeah. is like whatever. Who cares, right? But, but the but the big step forward was was web browser on the phone, which was like blowing people's minds, like a full on web browser that, that it was. I remember it was the same. Yeah, they used the same rendering engine as on the Mac, so it wasn't like a shitty. Yeah, it was an actual. Down. It was actually Safari. Yeah, it was Safari. Yeah, exactly. Whereas, like the the only other, like before that, before the iPhone Safari um, app came out. You were limited to what were called WAP browsers. Do you remember that? W A. There was browsers? yeah. So there was WAP, and then it's garbage. Like, there was garbage. also um, man, I had a Palm Trio with Microsoft oh, yeah. Mobile Internet Explorer, and it was so terrible. It was like, <laughs> it was not IE on the desktop. It was something yeah. totally different. A for effort, though. Yeah. A for effort. They tried. Yeah. They tried real hard. They also tried real hard with Windows Phone, and that didn't go anywhere. So yeah, yeah ultimately Apple just dominated. But but that's old news. <laughs> you get the feeling like. In a way, like the the tech giants, I don't know who they are exactly anymore, but certainly Microsoft, Meta, Google, Apple, Amazon, yeah, right, Magnificent Seven, yeah. Do you get the feeling that they kind of settle into like a kind of equilibrium where each of them kind of has their territory, like they, their their area of almost monopolistic domination? I mean, it'd be easy to say what it is, right? And every now and then, there will be like a new technology push by one of them that starts to kind of freak them out, freak everyone out a little bit. And you get into like a warring states era because, yeah, like I wonder yeah, it happened, if mm-hmm. it happened with social media, it happened with mm-hmm. web search. It, ha- I mean, it ha- it's happened with every major step forward. I think. Yeah, and then they settle into some equilibrium, right? Where yeah. each of them are like, okay, well, as long as I've got my basic like monopoly over Google over search, then I'm fine. But then AI comes out in a big way um, via, I guess, essentially Microsoft, right? Like op- open AI being um, essentially a subsidiary of Microsoft. Yeah, they made a big investment in it early. And then I think, well, the, the the big thing was NVIDIA's chip technology got to the point where you could just buy thousands of these things. Yeah. And they also bought Mellanox, which is like the interconnect networking technology that... And I feel like that, that created a, like, um, like a threat to Google's search monopoly. Because they were probably looking at chat, open chat GPT going like, this ain't Bing. This, you know, like this is, this is a fucking threat. Yeah, and it set off what seems to be some sort of war. You know, like an open eight, like an all-out war. Uh, maybe not a war, but like a pretty big battle where uh, Google's trying to get this r- stuff rolled out as quickly as it can. Isn't there like a new? Yeah, they AI just released, Google Assistant Gem- thing that's they coming just out? released Gemini, which is like the next version of bard which had a stupid name so gemini is much better but yeah but yeah i mean they're they're just they're pushing hard <laughs> they're pushing real hard for this is a real reasons. this is a real struggle now right like before yeah. i feel like microsoft wasn't that serious about bing i mean they it was around but they weren't actively trying to threaten google's position they just wanted a, their foot in the door to some extent and yeah they wanted to be number two i mean yeah. microsoft is number two in a lot of shit that's that's kind of their business model. Yeah, but but Google, you know, I don't think they were that serious about challenging Office with like Google Docs, you know. Well, <laughs> Google, like... Google Search also has fallen off like drastically in the last yeah. five years. It's yeah. total garbage now, right? So that probably indicates that they were getting very very complacent and rich and bad. fat. It's pretty and, bad. Yeah, it's terrible. So so hopefully this new push makes them uh, like come back from the regression in their search technology and just make everything better. Cause that that's ultimately what's going to like <laughs> save, save their, 
skin, right? Like I feel it, like there's still, a second class citizen in this though, but in open AI is is the cutting edge. Like I don't yeah, see they, any major open AI have, is blowing everyone's mind every three months. Yeah, and they still Google have is search, just though. making a fool out of themselves, you know. But they still have search and they still have G Suite, which includes Gmail and all this other stuff. Oh right? no, no, so, I know, but I mean on the AI front, like Bard and all this stuff is like you don't really see Google being anywhere close to open AI in terms of releasing new products and, you know, capabilities. Yeah, and stuff. yeah. In that sense, they're definitely on their back foot. That's, that's for sure. Which is weird. Cause they have all the data. Oh, I would think that Google would have had, you know, a huge advantage over, over, uh, you know, either Microsoft or some upstart like open AI, but apparently not. Well, they have all the consumer data, but they don't have the actual public data, right? That, is considered to be like general intelligence. That's that's just general data. So in a sense, Google's own accessibility and usability of their product can be used against them in in searching stuff. And we're only talking about American efforts. Like we're we're leaving out Chinese efforts here. Yeah, I, I don't know I, what I they're up no, to at all. I have but. no idea what's going on over there. I feel like they're cooking shit up. I don't know if they're. I, I'm. I'm pretty sure they're not where we're at, but they're cooking shit up. I don't think they're sleeping on this. No, I think. Well, right now, most of their uh, effort is um, hardware. I right? think concentrated on overcoming the chip sanction. Yeah. So whether that's actual engineering or just evading sanctions, one way or another, like that's a tremendous amount of efforts being spent. Yeah. Just to get to the baseline they need for silicon. Yeah, but they're, but they've got massive amounts of data. Yeah, I mean, either way, like the training data. Yeah, e either way, the companies are gonna that are gonna serve China are only they will be able to serve the Chinese market. Like nobody, <laughs> nobody else right, is gonna right. be able to go in. <laughs> so they're guaranteed a success in China, which is not exactly small. So it's they have the money and they have the the market. It's just a question of like how long is it gonna take them to. Like actually get to the point of, you know, like feature parity or whatever with the U.S. efforts. Doesn't this feel? Doesn't this feel kind of like scripted almost? Like, doesn't it kind of feel like, um, like yeah, everyone knows actually we went going along sci-fi. Yeah, everyone line. knows we went through the fucking wormhole in like 2012, right? So everything mm -hmm. that's happened since then has just been a weird sci-fi. Crazy tangent. What that, happened in 2012? Or are you just uh, putting an estimate? No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just kidding. But you know, like, like you like so, somewhere along the way, like it seems like we've gone off into a sci-fi tangent. Yeah, like remember that? What was it? The Aztec calendar or whatever? The world ends in 2012 and a new one begins. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, okay, <laughs> some yeah. shit like that. Right, right, right. So clearly something happened, and <laughs> now we're just in like sci-fi land, and we're just accelerating into this crazy fucking universe of madness. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it just seems like, I don't know, just thinking about how this Sora thing comes out and then the Apple Vision Pro comes out, I'm just like, dude, we're definitely setting the stage for some really fucking weird future. I cannot tell how, but the question is, is there going to be, is there going to be a utopian element to this or do you think it's all dystopia? Obviously, it's not going to be either just one or the other. But I do feel like people's attitudes about it, at least those who like think about like have strong opinions about it. I think some are in a just like a total dystopian outlook and they, they just resist this tech at all costs and just say this is a horrible mistake. I can't believe we're doing this. But then others, I think, have this irrationally uh, optimistic view to say, like, why would you ever say no to this stuff? Like, why would you ever question this stuff? And I got to think it's kind of both, right? Like we're going to, it's, there's going to be both utopian and dystopian elements yeah. to what's going on. I mean, it's tale of two cities, best of times, worst of times. Um, I mean, ready player one was, was kind of had themes around this idea, right? Like mm -hmm. you have this utopian virtual world where people are, you know, ha having the time of their lives, but really they're living in a shithole mm -hmm. <laughs> like yeah. dystopia. Yeah. So it's, you know, I don't know. I mean, th this is, yeah, this is all this is happening in the backdrop of like crazy economics and wealth inequality and all this stuff that we all know about. So it's, yeah, I mean, it's definitely going in that direction, I think.
Hmm. I don't know. So the question though, is this all priced in or do you think there's still, <laughs> do you think there's still, <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, dude, nothing is ever priced in. That's why the stock market changes every day. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, one, one thing that is concerning is how much power and wealth these companies at the top are going to just continue to amass. Yeah. I mean, we're definitely getting into the, like, you know, speaking of sci-fi, we're getting into like the the Wayland yutani exactly. kind of shit, right? Yeah. Where yeah. these companies are so incredibly powerful and huge that- yeah. You know, they're like already starting to fucking make spacecraft and stuff. They're gonna it's, they're gonna exceed any state, any nation state in terms of like capital and power. Yeah. They're gonna they're yeah, gonna be I mean, bigger than governments. Yeah, I mean the US is already already to a degree, you know. Like, yeah, you you might know more about this, but I mean I heard that the uh the people the antitrust people in the US government are just failing over and over and over to like bring <laughs> any any kind of account to these market leaders? Well, yeah. I mean, there's no competition in tech, as far as I can tell. I mean, not really. I mean, all of these big, you know, those Magnificent Seven or whatever, they're all fucking monopolists. Yeah. You know? And, you know, Google's, Google, I'm not sure, like, splitting it up was necessarily the right idea. I don't know if necessarily splitting Google up into baby Googles is going to do us much good. But there wasn't even a real attempt to rein in the power of these companies you know they just went with it and then um i don't know the most the government really has any interest in in with is just like hey sh- whatever power you're able to amass share it with me yeah you know? I, I wonder really how much the government seems to want the government seems to have its own agenda i wonder how much of this um lack of ability to enforce any kind of antitrust is related to the fact that all of these companies are public and so many people have retirement accounts with money invested in these companies. You know, it's like, yeah, it's kind I, mean, of, I, I think it has more, I think personally it has more to do with the fact that there is a clear awareness that these companies are a big part of American power and prestige in the world like are maintaining us as you know despite the fact that we don't make anything despite the fact that like our education system for stem is like you know second rate despite the fact that our infrastructure sucks like despite all that all of the largest and most significant tech companies on the internet um and device companies are american and I think there was a wide recognition, like, for example, like, I, I think about this all the time where, like, do you remember, I think it was in 20, it, it was around, towards the end of Steve Jobs' life, he was already, like, sick at that time, but Obama went to a dinner in Silicon Valley where all of the, you know, the Eric Schmidt, Zuckerberg, yeah. Jobs, et cetera, all showed up. And they had a some a semi private dinner. I think media was there um, with Obama. And Obama asked, he sat next to Jobs, and he asked them, "I'm the president. What can I do to help you bring those iPhone manufacturing jobs back to the U.S.?" And jo- Jobs famously told him, "They're not coming back." And it it was just this scene where it was clear that the power was entirely in those CEOs, and it wasn't Obama who was showing up and like, they were not nervous that Obama showed up and they were like, well, yeah. how do, you know, <laughs> no, like if you yeah, were like these tech giant guys, like Jack Ma or whatever, whoever, and I don't know what, whatever their names are, Pony Ma or these guys, I don't even know who, who's who anymore. Um, but let's say you took a bunch of like Chinese tech CEOs and you sat them down and then like the president of China showed up, like they would be nervous. Yeah, it would be like yeah, the, the power know, dynamic would be different. That's yeah, for power sure. dynamic would be different. But the U.S. they were just bullying him. Steve Jobs was like, "Shut the fuck up." Yeah. <laughs> he was like, "They're not coming back. Like, don't, don't even be ask silly. <laughs> don't be yeah, silly, Barack. Get out of here, Barack. <laughs> Get out of here. Have your free dinner and shut the fuck up." And it just it was such a a moment of like you know the utter fecklessness and impotence of the government versus you know these private companies, and it yeah. was kind of. Shitty. The, the, to be honest, the smart like, the smart people out there saw that and just went triple levered Nasdaq all in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Shit. 
But like, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I look at, I think about that and I'm like, Wayland yutani for sure. Because when you put up the U.S. president against the, the CEOs of these companies, I mean, he's like a, he's a nobody. It's weird <laughs> when it comes yeah, to Yeah, I mean, up. like ultimately he still has the power of executive order and all that stuff. But but if you were to hurt these companies, you're really just hurting America, <laughs> essentially. Right. No, right. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, the strength of the, you know, there's a, what I'm saying. Yeah, it's exactly what you're saying. I, I feel like there's a recognition that you don't fuck with Google. You don't fuck with Apple. This is, those are the pillars of America now. They're the goose that lay the golden eggs. Yeah, you don't the geese. split your fucking columns apart and hope that it still keeps the whole structure up. You know, you, you you don't fuck with it. You just let it be. I think that's why there's no antitrust. There's no interference. Um, I mean, among many other reasons, but like, I think the primary reason is that, you know, we've come to realize that these tech giants are the economic foundation of American preeminence. Without them, yeah, like Europe, so, we would be. And know. also, also back in the Microsoft days, American, there was no China tech scene, right? So there was no potential adversary mm, with a technology right. industry of their own. So gimping or attempting to gimp Microsoft had had no real consequence outside of the United States. Right, because like, they were the, still the, seeing this as like, okay, how do we foster faster development within our tech industry? Yeah, and and, and maybe maybe I mean this it 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 worked out this way. I, I doubt anyone had like the prescience to know this, but you know, like gimping Microsoft even just a little bit was critical in like bringing the rest of the tech industry up to speed. Like all of the other players, like Google, Amazon, etc., they they all came in the wake of Microsoft being taken down a peg, even though they didn't, didn't use the, their 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 leverage as the operating system maker to yeah to just fucking destroy everyone else. else. Yeah, because yeah. Microsoft would have just dist- like just straight up evaporated all these other companies if they could. Yeah, they would just be so, like, you can't go to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> basically. In window in the new Windows version, you're not allowed to type Google. It doesn't work. Yeah, you just can't do that. Sorry, bro. <laughs> it doesn't work. Microsoft Internet uh, Explorer won't go there. Yeah, and you know most of Google's dominance was built on Linux as well. Like their entire search infrastructure, all of their infrastructure and Android and fucking everything is built on Linux, right? So do you remember Microsoft's fucking asshat strategy, which was they turned they merged File Explorer and Internet Explorer into this into one yeah, so application? Stupid. So confusing. <laughs> Garbage. And they're like, it makes total sense. This is innovation. I mean, you know, Microsoft. I mean, Microsoft is like they they they've long been known in the tech industry as like just the garbage software company, and yeah, it's kind true. it's still kind of true. Yeah, all of their good stuff has been like purchased through acquisition or mergers or investments or whatever. So it's you know, it's they've just been able to do the financial side of things so well that. They're just this fucking behemoth now. You know, they, they swap places with Apple and whoever has number one yeah. all the time now. So it's cool. it's crazy that they're still around and so big, but whatever. Their, that's their, their, their stock is doing very well. Yeah, they're way smarter than I am. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, they got the new CEO. I think he's actually pretty good. And I feel yeah, like he actually has control. I don't think it's Bill Gates in the background. You know, I think he's actually in control. Of no, that shit's way. Yeah, I mean, dude, I don't think Bill Gates was even had much influence when Ballmer was CEO. Oh, really? Like, yeah, yeah I, I don't. I, I think he checked out a long mm-hmm. time ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because they're you know they're 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 legit. I mean, they're making smart ass investments. I mean, OpenAI was a genius fucking investment. Sure, um, sure was. Yep. And. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what well, to do. I just heard. Uh, I just heard that OpenAI just allowed their employees to sell stock on the secondary market at an eighty-five billion dollar valuation. So they're they're growing really really fast. I mean, how much is Microsoft worth? Worth between I don't know two two trillion somewhere. It fluctuates obviously, but yeah. 2 eight, so eighty-five billion is like probably a bargain, don't you think? <laughs> I mean, yeah, they just need, know, they just like, need liquidity. Yeah, market cap, market cap, two point nine trillion. So yeah, it's, it's, it vacillates between two and three. Wow, trillion dollar, multi trillion dollar companies. That that's actually yeah. a relatively new phenomenon. I I still remember when I think it was Am, uh, Apple that broke the trillion dollar mark. It wasn't even that long ago. Yeah, and people were ago. like, "Are we going to see the first trillion dollar company?" Um, yes, now we're we talking are. three trillion. <laughs> 
Jesus Christ. Microsoft PE is only 36. Not not too bad for a bubble. It's 36 for a $3 trillion company. Yep. They make they're just they're just oh my god, they're just erupting cash then. Yeah. It's kind of wild. Jesus Christ. EPS eleven dollars. <laughs> That's a fucking lot. <laughs> oh my god! That's quite what a is lot. Their, what is their t- gross revenue uh, for twenty twenty three? Let's see. It's going to be obscene. I mean, this their revenue is it's probably on on par with like the tax receipts of like medium sized European countries. Yeah. <laughs> Revenue, okay, on the income statement is $227 billion. Revenue per share, yeah, this is fiscal year 23, ending June 30th. So six months out of date, but it's a big number. That is a big number, dude. That's actual actual cash in the door. Yeah, check this out. So revenue per share was 30, Mm -hmm. and their EPS was 11. So they're making 33% margins. Jesus. (laughs) It's fucking massive. Yeah. Yeah. That's not even, at that point, it's like, can you call, is that a margin or is it just a tax? It's, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they're not even earning margin on products anymore. They're just straight up taxing you. Yeah, that's the beauty of software. You're like, you want to, you're like, you want to run a program? Give me, you got to pay my tax. You want to operate yep. a computer? You got to pay my tax. You know. Yep. God damn. So, what do you think is the? Um, what do you? How do you? How do you view this, man? Where Where do you think you, as a like a tech worker guy, where you want to like position yourself and all this? So, I mean, the new company that I started helps uh, law firms use this stuff. And oh, really? Helping. You're 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 going for the legal market. Yeah, so oh, we've shit. we've signed my enemy. Up. You're trying to put me out of work. Uh, well, depending no, wait, on how you're you trying to aid it. my job. I'm, to make exactly, I'm trying to help. I'm, I'm <laughs> help me help you, team. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> yeah. Um. So we've signed our first two customers, and you know we're. I mean, we've only been in business for less than six months, or about mm-hmm. six months. So mm-hmm. this is a this is about how fast it goes when you're just a small company. So, it, I mean, at the end of the day, this is just software, right? Like you're gonna whatever whatever you do for a law firm is just going to be developing software to help them like automate their business business processes. So it's, we're basically a services company right now. We're, we're thinking about doing some kind of product in the future, but right now is, it, is the core tech, like these large language models. Yeah. We're using LLMs, but also just like traditional information retrieval and search and hooking into like Westlaw and LexisNexis and all this other stuff. So it's, mm-hmm. we're just like helping them be, smarter <laughs> technically right and to do like right now we're doing pilot projects for like processing workflows of like legal forms and shit like that so it's it's pretty boring stuff dry stuff but um that's where we started it can, i've used chat gpt for legal research it can be shockingly detailed and good yeah so oh, like we don't so we don't like use the chat gpt interface we use the apis and like develop software that actually handles the data directly and like uses the APIs to like find errors in, you know, like forms and like inconsistencies and stuff. What do the APIs let you do? What kind of functionality does it give you? So you can just programmatically send in prompts and data and documents and like tell it to do things basically. Mm -hmm. Okay. So everything you would do in the interface, Mm -hmm. we can just do that a thousand times faster Mm -hmm. with a thousand times more on like the back end with more sending, data. Sending, yeah. Is and is that like a paid for thing you got to pay for it to yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. Is that their is that their main source of revenue? Is that like is API their main access? source of revenue? Yep. Wow. It, maybe so 80, like just, 85 so billion. Maybe, I wouldn't sell at 85 billion. Well, they're holding I mean, on to the that. Employees, yeah, well, yeah, they don't have to sell, but I mean they yeah. also do need like they need to buy houses or True. whatever, right? Cuz they're all young people. So mm-hmm. you got to, you know, you swap the swap the stock for some real estate. It's mm. probably a good trade. Mm. Wow. So, hmm, I'm going to be out of a job pretty soon. I think. Well, dude, you're yeah, but you're like on the cut, dude. These fucking law firm partners that we talk to, they're old as fuck, and they don't know what's going on, right? Like the the people that we're interfacing with are the younger guys and gals inside of the law firm that like are scared. And they want to they want to grab they want to grab opportunity and say okay let's do some pilot projects 
to like see where we can actually use this stuff so that we're not like run over <laughs> by, you know, either as an individual associate or partner or as a firm by yeah. a bigger firm that can leverage all this shit better. I'll right? give you, and I'll give you an example of where I could think it could, you know, something like, you know, uh, LLM type functionality could, could really help is like, you know, on the financial side, um, you get these like incredibly, you know, they're really not that complicated, but you get these like structured finance deals and, you know, you've got multiple classes of investors and you've got yeah. multiple types of investment assets that these vehicles are investing in. You've got multiple kinds of waterfalls and exceptions and, you know, stuff like this. And, um, and it's all tightly drafted, meaning like it, the beauty of these documents are that like the, you know, they're very precise with their wording. Right. So yeah. when they say like when they refer to an account, you know, they use the specific name of the account when they refer to, you know, the um, the interest payments or the, you know, the principal payments that come in. They're very careful about using the right term because yeah. they're essentially like writing the rule book for like, you know, an elaborate financial game, you know. Um, yeah. And I feel like an LLM would just crush that because I've been I've yeah. been reviewing you a could, lot. Of you could be like, deals. yo, like look at this securities agreement and draw me a fucking flowchart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, right? Draw me a flowchart of the cash. Yeah, and and make sure you get all the exceptions and all the you know yeah all all the stipulations of every single clause in here. Yeah, and then I can ask it questions. Yeah, you know, like, and I'd happens? be like, you know, who gets paid first in this? You know, yeah, like. like the, 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 does this class if, of investors get paid before that? And it 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 should be able to answer pretty easily, I would think. And dude, that is that would just fucking they it could rip through these agreements. These are like three hundred page agreements. Yeah, you know. And I have to only someone who has uh, quite a bit of experience with this stuff is going to know like how to parse through the agreement fairly quickly. Yeah. But otherwise, so you're left with these clueless associates who are like reading this from page one to three hundred, and then still yeah. not knowing how it works. You well, Teen, if you want to, if you want to talk about this offline, I'm more than happy to dis <laughs> discuss how we could uh, potentially tackle this problem. But, um, but yeah, like so, right now, it's uh, this technology. So, so right now, this technology is limited in token length, which means you could it can only and context size, which means it can only like comprehend so much data at once yeah the new which which is like a that that's that like that's a deal breaker right like mm -hmm. you you can't throw a 300 page contract at it and mm -hmm. have it mm -hmm. understand and like give you coherent answers yeah but the uh google's new gemini product is supposedly better at that and it has some ridiculously large context size so it, we're, we're currently looking at that to like see where if if that claim is actually true or or what? Yeah, so it's yeah. it's very interesting that they're like specifically trying to improve that at a uh, pretty aggressively. So yeah. it's it it's good it's good for the it's it's a good sign. Basically. I feel like I feel like that would be because because there's so many of these deals, and we should talk offline. But like yeah, I mean I've I've had my I've been neck deep in that shit for the past several months, and I just keep thinking to myself, this this is already like these contracts already halfway to code. I mean, these, yeah. this isn't this isn't human readable English. This is yeah, it's legal code. This is, this is legal code. It's structured like a computer program. It's structured exactly. You have you have a definition section. You incorporate other agreements by reference, like a library. Yeah. You know, whatever. Um, and it's already halfway to code. I mean, I feel like this is a computer would just crush this. Yeah. So the the good thing about the legal industry is it's it's gilded, right? You have to have a JD and a bar. Yeah and all that, pass the bar and all this shit. Right. So mm -hmm. ultimately the people at the top are going to be the gatekeepers, but the, so you're not going to be quote unquote replaced by a computer. Like that's just not going to happen. It's mm -hmm. baked into how the industry is structured. But I think the, the, the partners and the associates, senior associates that are able to use this to their own benefit will have a huge, huge advantage over the people who don't. And I mean, there's you know, already law like, firms that have announced that they're going that way. Yeah, right? like, for sure. Yeah, like major law firms. Um, so they're not shy about this stuff, you know. Despite the, you know, despite the somewhat luddite um, uh, uh, reputation of lawyers. Yeah, 
Well, it's not it's not very often that the legal industry like sees Jesus, right? Like they don't they don't have like existential threats very often. It's yeah, <laughs> almost never. Though, though, though I would say you're already looking at an industry that, with or without AI, um, is already approaching certain economic limits, and the model, you know, the 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 model of the law firm just isn't working that well if you ask me yeah there's just too much shit to handle i think there's there's too much shit to handle and they're getting too big and um you know they're the partnership model itself is probably buckling a little bit and you know um yeah i think i think uh they're gonna have to leverage tech i mean they 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 can't just rely on hiring these i mean i'm not even sure that they're all that interested in developing their junior associates anymore, you know, <laughs> like from what I've seen, like they're just, yeah. Like- well, I mean, they, I think they have, um, I mean, I, I, this is me on the outside looking in, I think these senior partners in, in these firms have, uh, I mean, they, they want to be like tech barons type of people, but they're not, <laughs> they're like law mm. firm partners. Yeah. Right. So that, so the amount of wealth and prestige and all that stuff is kind of capped. And yeah. if, if there, if there exists, if like, if some technology shows up all of a sudden that allows them to be like tech moguls mm-hmm. instead of law firm partners, they're going to at least give it a shot. Right? Yeah. Because lawyers are all about. as a, as a class, it's like a clerical class. Yeah. And they're not, you know, they, they become, they can become at best high clerics, which is right. okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not great. You know, it's yeah. like no one plays D and D and is like, I ch- I'm going to be a cleric. <laughs> yeah. Right. But you if know. they can like level up to fucking, I don't know, mage level with the LLM, like, yeah, yeah. you know, or, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And like, leverage, you know, yes, like spellcaster <laughs> and like leverage the LLM to like quadruple their fucking status and wealth. Like that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> They're all about that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so I, the, yeah, the only, the only downside is like this shit just moves slow in legal land. Right. So it's, it's enterprise sales, which is already a, fucking slow process but then now you're dealing with lawyers which is you know it is slow but i do i personally think that there are tailored products that you can make that they could deploy right now without any real structural changes you know what i mean like they they could you could get to like one thing that they do do they they're they're you probably know this already but there's like um you know there are a lot of like legal software vendors and yeah the law firms are really active in trying to, you know, buy good software to, um, you know, we're talking pretty simple tools to be honest, but like my first day at a law firm and they're just like crushing me with fucking apps, you know? And I'm like, yeah. God damn, that's a lot of apps. Yeah. Right? You use this app to do this, this app to do the other thing. Yeah, and exactly. And they, then yeah. they're, I'm just saying they're buying a lot of shit and they don't, I don't think the, I don't think people use much of it anyway. <laughs> you know, I think it's just yeah, probably not. They just load um, it up and no one ever touches it again. Well, it's I mean it's IT things. spend right. Like mm-hmm. the the thing with IT spend is generally it's structured like you either lose it or use it or use it or lose it. Right. right. So right. they're just looking for shit to buy basically. Yeah. Yeah. And I think part of the problem is that these tools are just they're not directly addressing the day to day work that we're doing. So, yeah. So, so that's what, so what we're doing right now is actually like, we, we obviously can't compete with like any of these giant software companies or vendors or even, or even some of the other startups that have like a 10 year head start. So what we're doing is we're actually just saying, look, if you have a specific line of business that you, where you can quantify how much money a mistake costs, we can, we can do a study or a pilot program and, and, and try to automate that for you and then actually give you a number in terms of the amount of time or money saved yeah. versus the human equivalent. And, mm-hmm. and so far, like that's been pretty, that's resonated pretty well with the, the people inside these firms that, that do this sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. so we're going to keep on going down uh, yeah. that road for, you know, a couple of years at least, I think. Nice. Nice. And there, there's just so many different areas of law too. And they're, yeah, it's all paperwork. their their like, needs are so different. You know, litigation is so different than corporate, and um, uh, but both are going to need it for sure. Yeah, and whichever like, whoever doesn't use it is going to lose, in my opinion. Like, yeah, you're just going to get crushed. Or yeah, they're either going to lose or just like not be able to grow. They're just going to get stuck in some kind of niche where they're just going to they're going to be like, like set, look play gonna, their time out and then die. They're going to be stuck training. You know extremely overpaid young people who don't really want to do the job anyway. 
Yeah. I mean, that's like, the ugly reality is like nobody wants to be a fucking lawyer. They just like the money. Yeah. You know, so you <laughs> yeah. get these people who come in for day one and they already don't have a great attitude about it because they don't really want to do it. And they've already been, yeah. you know, they've been told that this is a shitty job. Yeah, and, you know, they're blah, just blah, blah. like really highly paid, like high SAT scores. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and they <laughs> and they think that, you know, they think that they're hot shit, and and you got to pay them. You got to pay. You got to pay a lot of money to them, and and then they then then they don't. They're not really good at doing it. <laughs> yeah, and, and then uh, they burn out, and there's a whole yeah, there's yeah. a whole crash and burn phase. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway. All right. This sounds like we should probably discuss it at some other point, but uh, it's very it's very interesting. Um, yeah. But all right, should we cap it there? Yeah, sure. All right, man. Good talking to you. This is your episode for this week, and we'll be back next week. All right. Have Later, a good man. One. All right. Mm-hmm.